Hi, welcome to the DIY Music Podcast. I'm Lenny, and across from me is Joe. We want to hear from you, so uh, there's a link in the description to send us a message. If you have a question, if you have some music you want to show us, um, yeah, anything that you think would add to the conversation, send us a message. Love to hear from you. Enjoy. Okay, so today I want to talk about exclusive releases. Um, There's a few different points in this that we could probably touch on, but the first is, you're aware of Damien Keys. Um, He approached us a few years ago about doing like a collaboration video. We've owned his books. Um, He... I have it in here somewhere. I have it. Oh, that's really convenient. I have it here. The man that wrote this book... um, so Damien Keys um, runs a YouTube channel. He ended up, he was like way less subscribers than us and then wanted to do a collaboration. We ended up taking a few months off, I think, and ended ended up not happening. Now he's way past us on subscribers. Um, he has done a few videos talking um, about how essentially you in the early stages of a band should funnel your audience to one very specific place to build that as a sort of your base community rather than spreading yourself so thin um, and sending people over to Bandcamp, over to SoundCloud, over to Spotify, um, to the point that that could actually hinder you in the early stages. And I think I disagree. And I just wanted to talk about it with you to sort of get out hmm. sort of what what I'm okay, feeling, so I guess. We're talking about platforms where, like streaming services, not just social media. Yes, um, we could okay, I've, split I've this think... into two if you want, because social media is also another way of doing this, and I think I have a different opinion on that. I think. Mm. So I think that it's likely the thinking behind that is: say, if you want to funnel all your listeners to Spotify, because you know it's the probably the most used. I think the thinking behind that is that if you get all your your fans listening to you on Spotify, your numbers on Spotify will rack up and it'll look really good. And I think... And therefore can snowball easier because a thousand... This is going to be big numbers, but a thousand people listening to you on Spotify is going to be better for your Spotify than a hundred people on SoundCloud, a hundred people on Bandcamp, a hundred people on Spotify across 10 different platforms. Like a thousand in one place is better than 10 100s. Yeah, but... You always run the risk of, if you're funneling people to one place, if someone doesn't use that service or doesn't have access to it for whatever reason, then you lose out on fan. Absolutely. Which is, I think, my my biggest thing here is because that mentality is really anti-consumer. And like you've got to make stuff as easy as possible for people that want to consume what it is that you're making. If someone only listens to music on Apple Music and you're not on Apple Music... Nope, they're just not going to listen to your stuff. They're not going to download Spotify mm. just to listen to your song. It's just not happening. So it's quite entitled to turn around and go like, well, we're only on Spotify, so you need to listen to us there. Like, people yeah. don't care that much. <laughs> I think there's an element of people trying to add value to their music by only having it on one place. Because, like you say, if... If an artist has that mentality, then they are essentially forcing their fans to work around them, not the other way around. And I think for some artists, that might give them sort of a 
sense of self entitlement. Like, well, like if I'm only on spot, if I'm only on Spotify, then you know everyone has to go to Spotify. And if and if if my fans don't want to put in the effort to go to Spotify to listen to me, then I don't want them anyway. Kind of thing. Yeah, um, I don't know how many artists have gone in with that mentality. So I, my guess is that a few smaller artists will have because of what Damien Keys has said. And I don't know whether that's... I mean, I think it's probably going to be beneficial provided they do it right, but I think they are going to end up losing fans. Just, you know, the, the odd one here or there that doesn't want to listen on the chosen platform. Mm. I would 100% say if you are going to do this, you got to choose Spotify because of the amount of market share that Spotify has. Mm. Um, but The reason I brought up sort of the my point before was about, you know how... Is it Beyonce and Jay-Z that do it? They own Tidal and therefore they only have their music on Tidal. Is that right? Um, Unsure, because Beyonce definitely has had exclusive stuff. But I also want to say that at some point, I might be thinking of Taylor Swift here, but at some point they reversed that and went back onto all streaming services. I think Taylor Mm. did that, where it was like, she went exclusive with Apple Music for two years, whatever the deal was, presumably for a lot of money to try and get you know, like, we'll pay you this if you put your stuff exclusively on our thing so that we get all your fans and therefore customers and then, you know, it grows from there. Um, but I think Taylor then went back and went like, yeah, no, I'm going to go on everywhere because it just excludes people. And if you're creating, like, art and you want loads of people to see it, you need to put it in as many places as possible. Like if you're a, I don't know, a comic artist, not putting them on Instagram is just a stupid idea. There's loads of people that want to look at things on Instagram. So why not, you know? Yeah, I think if I was going to do it, if I was going to be an exclusive artist, one of the reasons that I'd do it is because it's harder to maintain yourself on loads of platforms. Say, for instance, if you're on Spotify, you're on SoundCloud, Bandcamp, and all these other ones, you have to sort of keep your account active you know like if you're on spotify you have to make playlists and you have to you know sort of release stuff regularly whereas i don't really know what i'm trying to say here i think it's harder to maintain yourself across multiple platforms yeah i think what you're getting is if that amount of effort is required for spotify and that amount of effort is required for tidal and that amount of effort is required for apple music and that amount of effort is required for soundcloud and bandcamp and I don't know, you're posting stuff on your own website and you've got a mailing list and you've got Instagram and you've got Twitter and you've got Snapchat and you've got TikTok. All of a sudden, posting something like a playlist all of a sudden takes three hours because you've got to make it on all the streaming services. Then you've got to promote it on all the social medias for all the streaming services. And all of a sudden it just becomes a mess and you don't Mm. have time to do the thing that you're actually supposed to be doing. And it's so watered down and confusing that people don't actually know where to go for your stuff because there's either too many posts pointing to many places or they just don't don't follow you on those things because mm. spam um so i do think that prioritizing some areas absolutely makes sense and i think points of contact makes sense to be um sort of exclusive to certain platforms like i don't think being on every single social media is beneficial i think you got to work out who you want to be in contact with because different age generations are on different platforms. Like older people are on Facebook, which seems weird to say like Facebook was such like a young thing that like our generation and the people just be older than us. Like 
it was just us on Facebook. And then all of a sudden, old people took over and we were like, okay, we'll go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram is pretty much millennials. TikTok is little Zoomers, like the generation just below us. So like, depending on who you want listening to your music really depends on which of the platforms you should prioritize. And then there's no real need to be on the other stuff. Like Twitter makes sense because in theory, everybody's on Twitter, therefore bigger connections. Like actually interacting with your audience, you only really need to pick one or two things simply because it is so time consuming and you should prioritize, um, you know, making one or two social medias as good as possible and filled with content and Q and A's and, you know, all, all the, all mm-hmm. the cool stuff that we'd always recommend you do I on think, social media, but not on all of them. <laughs> I think the same logic can kind of be applied to streaming services, but not necessarily for age groups, more for genres. Like, uh, obviously there's some genres that have a history of doing really well on SoundCloud and they got really well, big SoundCloud on SoundCloud. SoundCloud rap is literally like yeah, a, a yeah, thing. Exactly. Like, I mean, I, d- I don't know if any other streaming services have that, but I know I that say, some are. And this is really relevant to us. Super DIY artists, Bandcamp. Like there are some artists that are making stuff in their bedroom that only put stuff on Bandcamp because they don't mm. feel like they're good enough to go on Spotify and Apple Music and whatever, which isn't true, but... They feel However, that way, and therefore Bandcamp becomes that little hub for DIY. Yeah, and because a lot of artists have done that, and Bandcamp is now, as you say, a hub for artists of that either style or level, a lot of artists who want to start making that music, they choose to only stick to that platform because it suits their brand, I guess. Same for SoundCloud also, as well. Like, in theory, that their audience is already there because that community is there. Um, Like people who stream on Twitch don't feel the need to go and stream on YouTube as well because people who want a Twitch stream are already on Twitch. Um, I guess there's that argument to be made, but I I worry that you sort of force yourself into a niche, which granted we've recommended... like can be a good thing to do like to sort of keep your own little small community rather than go big time but to lock yourself off completely from being able to be a huge artist simply because you just aren't on the big streaming services um i think that can be a hindrance just because as we've said like i only listen to music on spotify therefore if i find a really cool artist on Bandcamp, cool yeah no i'm just not gonna listen to them i can't like I could download their stuff from Bandcamp and then do the local files thing into Spotify. So then it's it's on my Spotify, but not public. But that's a lot of effort rather than me just mm. searching their name on Spotify. I feel like every artist being on every platform, but prioritizing pointing towards a specific one might be the middle ground that's worth it. Yeah, like if, if you're a DIY artist and you have... A platform in mind like say you want to be a soundcloud rapper or you know a garage band on Bandcamp, then do that and you know sort of build your community there but also cater for the people who might not be as into that community as your desired fan base are like you know go on spotify go on apple music or whatever absolutely but, yeah yeah i think that 
like in practice, all that that means is when you release a new song, when you create a new playlist of stuff you like, you do it on one specific platform and then you post on your social medias of choice the links to that one specific platform. Saying like, oh, I've got a new song out today. It'd be really cool if you checked it out. And it's a Bandcamp link. But anyone who listens to music on Spotify can go to Spotify and search your name and it's there. Um, mm. That's probably the the way around sort of doing that because yeah. me, I, I rarely sort of click links to new music on social media to take me to Spotify because it tends to be a different time in the day. Like I'm not scrolling through Instagram seeing, oh, one of my favorite bands has got a new song out. I'll listen to that right this second. Like that very rarely happens. So I keep scrolling, but I'm I'm aware that the new song's there. So then when I'm listening to music in the car or whatever, I'm like, oh, they've got a new song. I'll check that out. And I type it in. So I don't think it's out of the question to just be on some streaming services and just never mention it. Um, I don't think that's a hindrance. Like just no. point people towards the one thing that you want but also be on everything else, which might be yeah. what Damien Keys means. Like, I'm sure I've seen him be less specific than what we just have been, but that might be what he sort of means is just point people towards one place, build a community there, and then he leaves the sentence there, whereas I sort of want him to carry on and go, but still be on everything else because you might lose audience members. I don't know. Yeah. I think if you say if you wanted to just start off on Bandcamp and not do Spotify because you know you want to maintain your your brand of being a really sort of DIY artist, then you mm-hmm. are gonna inevitably hinder yourself. Like if you grow and you start to gain fans, there's only so big your community can get on Bandcamp or SoundCloud. Like if if you want to actually pick up casual listeners and gradually turn them into fans, then I think you do need to be on the bigger ones anyway. Yeah, I think that's why earlier I recommended if you are going to do this, I recommend Spotify because Mm. there are so many more people listening to Spotify than anything else. I think Apple Music is second, mainly because there was loads of people listening to music on iTunes um, that was obviously people that had bought music over the past 15, 20 years. And then... Apple was like, yeah, no, we're not really, we don't really care about iTunes anymore. Um, but we've made Apple Music and sort of tried to funnel everyone across. Those people went over there. Um, but there's a load of people that use iPhones and use MacBooks and everything, but use Spotify to listen to music. Um, mm. Meaning that Spotify's just got way more people on it than anything else. And therefore, it's probably the the best place to go for building um, communities. The issue is, and Spotify really doesn't see it this way but spotify is really not built for building communities on at all like they say you should make playlists and then point people towards your playlist and that'll help you in the algorithm because i guess your songs are in the playlist and therefore accidentally getting listened to by your own fans I don't know. There's just something about it that just seems semi bullshit from the thing that Spotify says. And they say this all the time of if you want to grow on Spotify, make sure you're making playlists and pointing your audience towards them to listen to your playlists. Mm. And I just, it's either bullshit or they are logging how many people are clicking from an external website to a playlist that's featured by an artist. And then they're giving preferential treatment to that artist based on how many people they bring across, which could be happening. 
that's still bullshit. I just, that's yeah. the only thing that you can do on Spotify. There's no posts. There's no comments for the posts because they don't exist. There's no interaction. It is just a store page, like a shop, except you stream music on it. I think they probably will instill some other form of audience interaction on Spotify in the future because YouTube did it. YouTube well, started doing They are getting into video. I don't know how into video Spotify currently is, but I'm sure that they've released a few things, like they've released a few live sessions. And I don't know if Joe Rogan, when he went exclusive on Spotify, did video go along with him? Can you watch the Joe Rogan experience when he went exclusive on Spotify? Unsure. But I think they are wanting to get into video. And if they do get into video, there's no reason why they wouldn't get into just normal posts. Um, which then and makes then it, it a social, media. social media. And then that's probably what they want. And that would be good for building communities. The issue is in its current state, I don't think you can build a community on Spotify because there's no interaction. I can't tell you something. If, if I'm an artist and you're a fan mm. on Spotify, I can't give you information. I can't say I'm on tour. I can feature well, it no, at the top of my page. There's no feed or anything. Well, exactly. So you can't build communities. That's just not an option to build a community on Spotify. You can have fans, but that's it. Well, yeah, There, I, there is no I think, back and forth. Well, what most artists do is they have Spotify as like their central hub where they, you know, they have all the songs and whatever, and they point people to their Spotify as opposed to trying to build a community on Spotify. It's all that about build communities elsewhere and then direct them to Spotify. That then makes it not their central hub, which I guess is sort of my point, is that it can't be the central hub because it everything has to point to it rather than mm. it pointing to everything else. So it, yeah. if anything, it's like the sat shop. out on its own. Yeah, it's not what it should be, in my opinion. <laughs> I think Spotify should yeah, be it's... a place to be a central hub. Yeah, it's just really the end point at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think and they're I think... this close. They just need mm. posts and a feed. And I think they've done it. Yeah, I think they could improve the way that you discover artists as well. Like, um, so? at the minute, you know, you have your playlist, you have your made-for-you AI-done playlists, and then you have yeah. your... If you're clicking on an artist, you've got, you know, the recommended artist at the side. I think they could do something a little bit more than that. Well, they do have radio. So there's, mm. um, to pick a random band uh, that we've made a video on before, Gender Rolls. Um, so there's a Gender Rolls radio. And if I click on that, it'll give me a Gender Rolls song and then a song similar from a, a band roughly the same size and then a song similar roughly from the same size and then a Gender Rolls song and then mm. so on and so on. I think that's a nice way of doing it because it, it gives you, it's like the AI playlists, because it is, except you get to choose the starting point. Yeah, I think that is quite, it is good. And, you know, it's good if you want to expand your portfolio of music in a certain genre. But I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think having a feed would be good with stuff that's recommended to you, like in the same way and that also, YouTube does it. And, yeah, and, um, like, Every artist that you follow being able to post and you can see it, you can interact with it. Um, mm. Like have it so that artists can then share their playlists and other artists' music. Mm. And it all just goes into this feed that's just a music-centric social media. That'd be really mm. cool. I think if they were going to do that, they should limit it to artist profiles that can post 
I think they should just have, you know, the artist account and then yeah, the no, user account. Yeah, no, it should and... be a music social media, not Yeah, because if you, if you create user accounts, then it just becomes another social media. It just becomes Twitter again. And we don't need that. It has to be sort of artists can post, but users can comment. Um, so that the, you can have the interactions and you can do all that, but at no point can some random user account create a post because mm. there's no one following them. Although you can follow users, so maybe I'm wrong there, but I I, I agree with you. I think that's the right move. Mm. I do, however, think that there's probably, this probably already exists, to be fair. There's probably some entrepreneur out there going like, well, I could, I could make that. But I think that that's, that won't work. I think to work, it has to be Spotify. It has to be the place where people are already listening to music mm. because it has to be a place where people listen to music. Yeah. I think asking people to switch from Spotify to another, say if there's another one pops up that's, that is mm-hmm. what we're describing, I think it would be too much to ask both artists and users to pivot to that because a lot of artists have built a really good portfolio for themselves on Spotify yep. and Absolutely. they're not going to want to change that. And I'm not, I'm not fully aware of what every single streaming um, platform is doing, but Spotify's also got better stuff, you know, like they have the Discover playlist, they have the radios, they have the curated playlists. Um, the feed is semi-nice to go down. All the other streaming services are lacking one or two of those things, um, like Deezer or Tidal, one of the two, maybe both, claim to have better audio quality. They, they go for more um, kilohertz sample rate whatever mm. um but they lack other things and etc cetera, etc cetera. spotify i think is the better experience so it has to be the one that then introduces the social media aspect because otherwise it's just not gonna work because you want as many people on it as possible um or mm. flip side what if that existed but specifically for diy artists so it became like a band camp style thing where it's people going there know that they're expecting smaller artists that are doing slightly more interesting, weirder things. They're not getting pop artists on this. That then becomes a more interactive sort of social media for underground music. And then it doesn't need to break the barrier. See what I mean? Like that that could work. Um, mm. And then your exclusivity goes there because that's what you want to be. Mm. That could work. I mean, Bank, I'm good yeah. to do that. But... but. But then again, like we mentioned earlier, if if that thing did exist and artists were keeping themselves to that, if they grew and grew and grew, they would never get past a certain point. Unless the user base of that platform grew massively, they would stagnate a little bit. But maybe they'd be happy True. at that level. Who's to say? Yeah. Um, I suppose then for some people, they could use it like how people use Patreon, where it's like people don't go on Patreon to scroll a feed they go on because they're supporting very specific artists that they like. They Mm -hmm. go on, consume whatever's new for them, leave again, go elsewhere. So at that point, it becomes less of a social media in what it's become today, where it's just like the endless scrolling and just content, content, content. And it becomes a curated experience that once a week, I know that this artist does a Q&A on this app, and therefore I go there, do that, whatever, and then mm. clear off again. Like that could work. But at that point, it is just social media, not really streaming site. So yeah, I don't know. I, I I feel like Spotify is just the answer there. Like they should just implement it mm. and maybe they're working on it. Who knows? 
So with this being episode three, I think we're on now. Um, maybe episode two. Unsure. Either I think way. Because we started on zero, which is not helpful at all. <laughs> um, I wanted to sort of just talk about the future of the channel um, with Music Lab and sort of what we're doing as a company and sort of just discuss that because we, we took like a year and a bit off because COVID. Um, and therefore, I guess it's sort of up in the air as to what are we actually doing? So we can just talk about that. Um, the first thing I guess we can talk about because we're already here is the podcast. Um, so we're doing this now. This is sort of, I guess, our main drive for content. Um, so we're doing bi-weekly? Every so Every other week. Yeah, there are thereabouts. Um, so the, this is going to be our main thing for delivering information. We've had some really good feedback from everybody about um, just this method of talking it means that we can talk about things a lot more in depth and probably get more interesting conversations out there than what we used to do with music lab which was just pick a topic talk about it for five minutes finish um and i think and i think you agree with this right joe is just this just feels better for talking about yeah the more i think stuff. i think for me we always the music lab videos that were most interesting from my perspective, were the ones where we picked a subject and talked about it. And maybe sometimes it was a subject that we disagreed on and we explored it in full. I think doing that and hence why we're doing it now is because we delve deeper into subjects than we would if we were just writing up a script. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that was one of the, I guess that was one of the reasons why when we were filming Music Club, we made a point of both being in the same room so that someone one of us behind the camera could shout things at the person in front of the camera because sometimes it just felt necessary to be like, oh yeah, but what about this or whatever? And mm. that translating to this feels a lot better because we can counterpoint each other a lot easier. Um, and doing this while sat next to each other, which a few videos were like Q and A's and stuff. We were both sat next to each other. was always a little bit weird because it was just like us both sat like this on yeah. a settee, like just sort of awkwardly trying to, talk to each other whereas this just makes way more sense um so with that um obviously this is going to be one of these but um we're doing like sort of highlights videos for youtube which then goes on the music lab channel um that's not the only plan for music lab um i do want to keep doing highlight videos from the podcast on the youtube channel i think anything that we talk about that is worthy of um sort of a a wider audience makes sense to go on YouTube as well. But I do want to keep doing the OG style of um, YouTube videos because sometimes it works better for that. If we have something very specific songwriting wise or production wise or something that is more of a how to, it just makes sense to just make it as a normal YouTube video with one of us talking to camera, mm. showing the thing off, done in five to 10 minutes. Mm. everything that's conversational will stay on the podcast. Um, mm. Because we do a lot of speculations and, you know, maybe this, maybe that on the podcast, whereas the videos that we make would be, okay, we know exactly what we're going to say because there is no if and but about this point. We know exactly what our stance is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and maybe sometimes we'll talk about something on the podcast, find a definitive answer, and then it can become a more 
sort of um, cohesive video. Um, I also, I've mentioned this slowly over various things, but I'm starting a band. We're very close to launching. Um, but I've been gradually shooting a Let's Write a Song video with the band um, because there's a song that we've, we sort of reworked and it's become a whole thing that we've been doing. So I've filmed every stage of it. So at some point there's going to be a video out that's how my band writes a song, which has always been something that people have responded well to when we've written a song and just sort of shown the process because that's not a thing that people put up on YouTube, which has always bugged me. Like we made that series because there was no one on YouTube going, here's how we write songs. Here's the process start to finish. Not me telling you how to, but us just doing it. Um, So I thought it'd be kind of cool to do that in a band capacity. I think so it, that's currently doing in the it, works. And yeah, no, go on. I think that way that you've just described as doing it as an actual band where this song will be a real, real song, song that is yeah, released as song. an artist. I think that is a little bit more authentic than the way we've done it because we've always mm-hmm. done it as, okay, we're going to do a write, let's write a song video, let's write a song. And yeah. the song is for the video, nothing more. Yeah. Um, it sort of became. It exists because we want it to exist. <laughs> mm. We're making the video because we want to make the video, and the song is for the video. Mm. Yeah, no, you're right. It's probably going to be a little bit better, and I don't know how. And everyone can sort of give feedback on this when it comes out in a few months' time, but I don't know how much more information or less information it's going to get across with how we actually write songs. Because when we write songs and we're just sat next to each other with a guitar and a bass we're very much sort of talking about, oh, I might do this. Oh, this might be a cool thing to do. Oh, what about this riff? And we and we try a lot of different things. Whereas writing as a band, especially the way that we write as a band, like my new band, we do a lot of... Lucy comes to us with a song that's already written out on an acoustic guitar and it's more or less sort of there in terms of chords and melody for the vocal. Therefore, we can loop that we can just keep doing it over and over and over again and try and play what we think, what I think the bass part is going to be, what Josh thinks the guitar part could be, what Matt thinks the drum part could be. And therefore, a lot of the writing process is just iteration and us playing the same thing over and over again. So there's not a lot of conversation of, oh, I might try this riff. Oh, what about this? What do you think of this? And it's a lot more actually playing together in a room and going, oh, that didn't work, but not saying that out loud, just playing something that didn't work and never playing it again. And, you know, just playing the song till it's finished and going, oh, I liked when you did that. Oh, I liked when you did that. Cool, let's run it again. So you start from the beginning and, you know, you gradually just sort of iterate until it becomes what your part is in its final form. Um, I don't know if that's going to be more fun to watch and more um, useful to watch, or whether it's going to be less than the way that we used to do Let's Write a Song. I guess there's only one way of knowing, and that's just release it and see what people think, but it's different at least. Yeah, we we did used to do a lot of, oh, I'm going to play this riff now because it might work over this bit, and oh, these chords would sound nice here. And we also, because we were doing an educational music channel, um, we would also explain things a little bit more, not to each other, but to you at home because it was like, this is what we're currently doing. Um, even if we both understood what we were currently doing when I'm writing with 
a band, there isn't that because I'm not thinking, oh no, I'm filming for Music Lab here. I need to talk about the minutia of what's going on here. We just do it. Um, I could do cutaways. I could literally do bits that come back to me as a talking head explaining what's going on if it is confusing, but I don't know how that would work. It might be really unnatural. It might not, unsure. Um, there are a lot of TV shows that do that where they have stuff shot out in the wild and then they either have a voiceover that sort of catches you up on the bits that you need to be caught up on um, or they have actually talking head bits in a studio, if you like. Like Top, Top Gear is a really good example of that um, when they do their, or oh, Grand Tour as it is now, I guess. Um, you know, they're in the middle of Cyprus doing something and all of a sudden Jeremy Clarkson's talking into a mic as a voiceover to tell you the stuff that they obviously didn't film. That's the thing. I don't know. I'm now just mm. pitching music club ideas <laughs> to everybody. Um, yeah, so that's sort of what Music Lab's going to be from now on, I guess. It's going to continue to evolve. We're going to keep trying new things, but it's going to be less um, weekly videos and more specific curated, like intentional this is good for music club therefore we're going to post it rather than we need to make a video every week shit what we're going to do this week mm -hmm. so i think the quality of music lab is going to get better i hope <laughs> um mainly because the the random shit that we just talk about is going to be on here on the podcast next is skillshare which we've had a fair amount of um new followers on skillshare over the past few months even though we've not posted a new course at all so that's really cool um i don't know how many of those people that founders on Skillshare have come over to our other stuff, like on YouTube or here at the podcast. Um, if you have, hi. Um, we will be doing more stuff on Skillshare soon-ish, I guess. Um, but that's going to be something that just sort of ticks over gradually. And we make if we have an idea because we don't want to just... You can't force stuff like that shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, we do have ideas for some though, so that's going to be a thing. Um, I think people liked the two Skillshare courses that we've done so far. So I think it is something that is worth doing, especially because it's like, okay, let's spend an hour really nailing this one very specific thing, which is just not really an option for YouTube and definitely not an option for um, a podcast. So yeah, Skillshare is going to be ticking along in the background. And then something that's really just ticking along slowly in the background is the book that we probably mentioned we're writing once about two years ago. <laughs> yeah Joe, about it how away. to it was about how to release your debut single wasn't it and it sort of it is segmented in a way that takes you from sort of writing the song and you know gradually improving it to recording the song making a music video through the entire release process and because it's so specified on okay this is how this is how to release your first song. I think it's benefited from that a little bit. I mean, I've only wrote one chapter of it so far. <laughs> we have <but> all <laughs> the, like, we have sort of a hundred points that we're going to cover. And we have all of them. We just haven't written the many paragraphs that justify them, I guess. So mm. we, we have like a skeleton for the book finished. So it's not just one chapter done. It's like... We're a little closer yeah. than that. Yeah. I, w I will probably want to do it again, though, once I've written the entire thing. Because I'm... A I mean, doing multiple like drafts isn't a bad idea. Iterate your yeah. songs, children, all that sort of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... 
we are still writing the book if anybody cares if anybody mm. remembers I hope it, it will be like it will be ago. beneficial to someone anyway yeah i think the book more than anything could be something that people could have without knowing anything about us because it is going to be mm. something that's really universal in terms of just writing music um to the point that things that we talk about and whether we like it or not we have biases towards certain musics therefore there are certain people who won't watch our channel because we don't cover you know the actual pop industry or we very rarely talk about hip-hop and rap because it's just not an industry that we're familiar with therefore people that are interested in those industries probably don't watch our videos they could get stuff from this book because it's going to be almost entirely Pretty universal outside of genre it's just going to be very much a diy sort of thing like here's how you can do this with you and your mates sort of thing there's very little of and then your record label will do this for you like there's none of that sort of shit going in the book because it's not helpful um yeah it's how to write and release a single yourself yes there are going to be points in there about paying for certain things but we specifically talk about the pros and cons of doing so versus doing it yourself because the whole of this tied together is our game plan i guess which is just trying to get as many people into music and into bands and doing it themselves that's the point we made the company called band diy for a reason we want to empower bands to do things themselves um i think there's some things that we haven't covered that we should like we need to do some proper stuff on doing band photography, um, graphic design. There's a few things that we haven't covered that I want to, so that someone could come to all the things that we make. So Skillshare, YouTube, podcast, book. And if they consume all of it, they can do everything you need to do as a band themselves. That's the game plan, I guess. That's the hope. <laughs> yeah. I think we're... we're on our way, we've covered a lot of stuff over the years because we've been doing this eight years. Since 2014, was 2013 it? in November, I think was our first Christ. video. Granted, and we mentioned this a lot back in the day, we did take about six months off after our first video, but we started, video one went up like November 2013, I think. Um, so yeah. 10 year anniversary in like two and a bit years that's mm. weird um we looked fucking horrendous in those early videos there's a lot of hair a lot, there is. A lot of hair i don't know how i maintained that um fucking hell. i know this this is just so much i was gonna say less effort to maintain but it's just i've mm. i've moved it's funny isn't it, that we upstairs we have changed like we have changed quite a lot as people and the industry's changed a lot during that time, but a lot of the points that we've made that we made early on are still relevant now because I think a lot of our education, if you want to call it that, is based on the principles of stuff rather than how to actually specifically do individual things. Yeah, you'll notice if you go back and watch pretty much every video that we've ever made, bar maybe five. They aren't how-tos. They aren't do this, then do this, then do this, then do this, then win. It's more abstract in the way that we're talking, yeah. which probably means it's that more we get... about 
slightly less views and slightly less retention for that because it is less specific, therefore probably harder to find or less helpful but in the But music isn't specific. There's no one True. way to do it. So I think if anybody was to make hardcore, okay, this is definitely how you do this in music, it's either going to be outdated very quickly or it's going to be a very, very narrow mindset. Absolutely. Which but is why we made the decision that we did, whether it was subconscious or not, to be more abstract in the way that we talk about things. Um, and any video that we've made that has lost relevance, I've removed, not removed from YouTube, but I've made unlisted so that it's not public anymore. There's only been like two or three really what early videos. I have no idea, but there's, there is a few things like um, I did a color grading series really early on in the first year of our thing of like if you're shooting a music video here's how you can color grade because i was really getting into color grading i was really learning sort of how it all worked and therefore that was what i wanted to be teaching um by by those standards back then fine by today's standards not very helpful video wise it's using a program that you don't need to use to color grade anymore because better programs have come out um the, the way in which i'm color grading is Again, fine for internet standards back then, but nowadays there's actual cinematographers from Hollywood teaching stuff on YouTube about color grading. Therefore, me teaching it, not as useful as those. So mm. those videos shouldn't be up anymore and aren't. Mm. Just little I stuff think, like that. I think that because we, we, we teach the what and the why, not necessarily the how. And I think because we do that, the stuff we talk about is more applicable to more people more artists as opposed to Hopefully. say if, if if we were very specific about okay here's how you write an indie song you know that would obviously only be beneficial to indie artists and would but... constantly change because genres do change and morph a mm. little bit um to go to i guess a genre that i'm really familiar with punk if you were talking about how to write a punk song 50 years ago when it first started it would be, you know, just three chords, you know, the basic three chords, one, four, five, um, write something catchy over it. And then that gradually changed a little bit and then changed a little bit. And then nowadays that isn't relevant anymore. Most punk bands now aren't using one, four, five at all, but it's still basically the same genre, but that tutorial, that how to would just be completely irrelevant that but for everything <laughs> um yeah yeah no everything just sort of is gradually changing and shifting therefore us talking about it in more abstract ways mm. might be even more so with the pandemic <laughs> as well like how artists have been you know sort of forced to adapt to mm -hmm. make money and to maintain the fan base with the absence of live performances it's yeah changed I, a lot I think as well like TikTok's obviously really benefited from it because so many more people are at home just scrolling and TikTok is easy. I think it's easily now like the biggest social media um, growth, if that makes sense. Like more people have gone to TikTok in the past year than gone anywhere else. I think Facebook still has way more users, but that's because it has like more users than there are people on the planet, which is weird. Um, but yeah, like the introduction of TikTok means that when people are thinking about making videos for their music, you don't have to make a music video. You can do a 30 second clip. 
that it can be really well produced, but like just 30 seconds of you singing like your chorus, get that on TikTok, all of a sudden music videos aren't as relevant anymore. It's a 30 second video on TikTok. There's just a few things that have just sort of changed up. That is today's music video. And I would like to do a video on that at some point, I think, actually talking about maybe music videos are outdated and maybe here's what you should do instead. Maybe. So if anyone got this far in the podcast, there's there's a hint at that. <laughs> you could be slightly far ahead of people who watch that video in a few weeks' time or however long it takes me to make it. Um, I don't think do I would be able to talk about TikTok without having a bias against it. Yeah, I guess, but you're also seeing it as an outsider. And at that point, you only are aware of the stuff that's really, really popular. So it's like teenagers dancing when there's a whole other Mm. sort of thing going on underneath um, that you won't be aware of, Um, which is just a really useful social media because their algorithm's great. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we can talk about TikTok properly at some point. I need to look more into TikTok tiktok first because i don't fully understand all of it um so yeah we'll talk about it at some point because it's probably useful for artists to be on i'm gonna have to use it with my band first (laughs) to sort of get to grips with that so it might be a a little while before we talk about it but yeah we'll do that at some point is there anything else we need to talk about i don't think so no i don't think so either thank you very much for watching everybody um We'll probably be back in like two weeks' time. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for checking out on uh, Spotify, on YouTube, wherever. We're on Skillshare, as you've now found out if you didn't know. Um, yeah, we'll see you in hopefully two weeks. See you later.